And some older English localizations, red armor was often called red reamer. I don't like it. Where's Bachelor when you need him? <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, wah, I can't figure wah. out his name is. Oh, well. Well, we know he's red. He sure is red, that firebrand. Uh, I love these games, though. Welcome to the Spooky Nintendo Exhumation Squad podcast, episode 32, a very special Halloween episode of the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, which is also a select button guide and podcast. Every week, we select three games at random, and you get to vote on which one we play, except this week we didn't, because this time we're playing Demon's Crest, as selected by Shrug. You got to pick this game. So we'll be discussing Demon's Crest using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which are spooky vanity, ghostly gun, ethereal investigation, and revelation, but scary. <laughs> I'm your host, uh, Ghastly Clint, and today I am joined by... Exsanguinated Tiger. One second before death... I'm the Prince of the Pachinko Star, Sakurina. I'm the Shrug of the, un- of the Universe in the face of your existence. It doesn't care. The void is howling. Uh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Not that kind of howling. Yeah, I know. And I am your dear friend, Stolpa. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good voice. All right. So yeah, Demon's Crest is the sequel to Gargoyle's Quest 1 and 2, uh, which were released on the Game Boy and NES, respectively. Uh, these games were actually spin-offs of the Ghosts and Goblins series, starring the Red Aramer. Aramer? Is that how you say that? Enemy uh, from that series. It's like the it's the Red Gargoyle. Go figure. Uh, D- oh, go ahead. He'll always be Firebrand to me. I know. He will always be Firebrand to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I first knew him. I had never played Ghosts and Goblins, but we'll get into that. Um, Demon's Crest was released late in 1994, like late October, and it was actually released like early November in the U.S. I was surprised how quickly the two came out. Um, Oh, excuse me. Good God. Uh, Demon's Crest is an action platformer that features some exploration and like lock and key abilities. So it's kind of like a Metroid light, maybe. Um, it, it's interesting. We'll kind of get into that. Uh, Firebrand, the main character, uh, explores the demon realm, finding items, killing bosses, and trying to take his revenge on a gnarly demon named Phalanx. That's how I said it anyway. And... Uh, I want to start Shrug. How come you picked Demon's Crest? I'm curious uh, what you, why you wanted to play this game. Uh, well, this game is obviously very important to me personally. Um, uh, straight up. Uh, when I was... <laughs> it had to have been... I just finally found the picture. And I will drop it into podcasting chat in a moment 
It would have been the summer I was 28, so seven years ago, someone took a photograph of me in long red underwear sitting on a uh, kitchen table, probably intoxicated. Not a kitchen I remember table, that photograph. A kitchen counter. I'm wearing one a one-piece union suit. I'm always very florid. And Aggie commented, you look like Red Armor. I wasn't sure what that meant. I was also like 40 pounds lighter then. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, so I used the technology available to me to Google this, and I went, oh, it's a demon dude from Ghosts and also Goblins and also this other game that looks like a very silly uh, metal album cover. And I became very curious about this one Super Nintendo game. I have no like precious Super Nintendo gems from my past, from my childhood. I was, as I've mentioned before, a Sega kid. Um, I'm there for any Alex kid podcast that ever occurs anywhere on the internet. Uh, call me, yeah. call me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just became very curious about this game and didn't really bother playing it. It just looked cool. It had a, you know, nice, nice detailed sprites and a cool demon dude. Cool demon dude. I wanted to play the cool demon dude and beat up demons. That's why I picked this game. And that's what happened. And there. so you picked the right game. Yeah, this is a cool demon game about beating up demons. I mean, it pretty much rules. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> cool. And I asked everybody to play an hour, but about how long did you play and how far did you get into this game? I played about two hours, and I just beat the Fire Drake boss uh, in the Burning Forest, literally moments before we started the podcast, with a single pip of health left. I feel so proud of myself. I played uh, about uh, two hours like right before the preparation for the podcast. And I played like uh, three hours of it earlier when I originally got it on the uh, Nintendo eShop on my new 3DS. I had never played this game before, but I uh, tried it out for the first time. You know what? I should say I'm incredibly sleep deprived right now. I was at an all night horror <laughs> movie marathon last night. And then I got home and slept for four hours and woke up just about 15 minutes ago. So uh, please excuse me. I feel like everything I say sounds like, like Captain Beefheart's voice coming out of my mouth or like Tom Waits or something. I know it's not true, but that's how it feels. Anyway, I played a game. I played this game for like three hours. I never played it before. It's pretty good. I got the bad ending, um, but I was satisfied with that. I played for about 45 minutes or so, and then uh, I was playing this on a keyboard on my totally legitimate copy of the game on a Super Nintendo, uh, and <laughs> the bindings I had set up were really painful for this game, so I decided to give up and go watch a long play on YouTube instead. I got 
the bad ending. And then I went back to try to beat the big, evil, surely bad boss and beat my head against that for probably a couple hours. Um, I am basically a walking corpse uh, right now, so I probably wouldn't be able to beat it anyway. I should make excuses. I'm very bad at video games, but yeah. And then I watched, finally watched the uh, good ending on YouTube. I also... The best ending on YouTube. Yeah. Wait, which one are you describing as the bad ending? Because there are technically there are four endings. The bad ending where you uh, kill Phalanx and then just leave and the demon realm falls into anarchy because you've created a power vacuum. Got it. So, yeah, that's the one I got too. So you do just get to go off and chill. It doesn't seem that bad for you. I mean, in the short run, I'm obviously very selfish. I am as well. I don't. I don't know the demon realm. Do I care about demons? No. Um, it's hard for me to judge how much I played because I split it between playing on the PC, well, <laughs> playing on my very legitimate uh, PC and playing it on my uh, phone. Uh, but I would say I probably put about four, four to five hours in. I got the quote unquote normal ending. So which is like one step above everything sucks. Uh, <laughs> but I did not get the uh next up ending and then there's also an even better ending if you fight the super secret boss so i didn't do either of those things um when i was a teen i emulated this game that's when i was doing illegal things but the statute of limitations uh is beyond now um and i do remember beating even the super secret final boss but that hardly counts because i had much more time on my hand and i have no idea how much i was abusing save states back then probably a lot because who has time to play games for real <laughs> I, I certainly don't um all right cool so yeah we got a, we all got a fair amount into this game i had a really good time playing it but uh before we start talking about it too much let's jump into our first topic which as always is vanity vanity um, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about in Vanity, but I kind of want to talk about this story first, because it's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's a Vanity thing, but it sets the scene. Um, Firebrand is a demon. He was trying to get all the demon's crests, and he actually got all of them. The last one was uh, by this big nasty dragon. Uh, so he killed the dragon, but it took him, it took a lot out of him. And so he's flying away, he's got all the crests. And then suddenly the even more evil demon Phalanx shows up and murders the shit out of Firebrand uh, and takes all the crests. So the game starts with you having just a little bit of the fire crest left and fighting the undead dragon that you just murdered. And you have to go and collect all the crests and get all your power back. Basically, it's, it's one of those kinds of games. So uh, that's sort of the story. It's not much to speak of, but uh, it is kind of cute. I don't know how that ties into Gargoyles Quest 1 or 2. Those are both, they all seem fairly separate. So, but uh, yeah, so that's that's the story. So what do we think of the vanity of this game? This is a game uh, where you play me seven years ago plus wings. 
and you are seeking uh you just want power you are seeking power for its own sake and someone else who wants more power well he comes busting in and he takes your power so in a sense it's like the distilled essence of all video games no ludo aesthetic it's aesthetic is fascism but that is appropriate for this game because it is a game uh, in which you are all demons in a horrible might makes right demon realm where the only thing that matters is personal power and the i guess i don't know what the good ending is but i i guess it's realizing fascism but the bad ending is clearly realizing anarchism so yeah we got ourselves a right wing game here the good well, no, ending... I, I would argue, in fact, that this game is uh, explicitly left-wing because it shows uh, the horrors of uh, right-wing uh, militarized hyper-violent state. The best ending, you defeat the angel-slash-devil bone mass and thus uh, defeating the Jungian shadow? What? Oh, and achieving i don't remember the term anymore shit i could have really gone on the line there anyway <laughs> it's been too long since we all played persona i guess yeah uh and uh to do to and then you actually uh throw away the crests you throw away the artifacts that you've been seeking the entire time and it says something about like, and Firebrand just hoped that he would have a good opponent. Like he hopes to just have a new, more powerful opponent to try himself against in the future, but without the crests. So it's like his power comes entirely from within now. I don't know about that. And so the game transforms from a game about seeking external power to a game of cultivating internal power. It becomes, in fact, an explicitly Taoist game rather than the fascistic uh, desire for power at the expense of others. It becomes a game about becoming virtuous in oneself. By defeating the Union Shadow and achieving uh, whatever that Union term is that I can't remember. We're really on one today. <laughs> and we just started. <laughs> it's going to be a good episode, folks. He also... I was, was going to say, so he by the end it reveals he has the same motivation as Ryu from Street Fighter? Yeah, he yes, just exactly. Wants... And it, it, the the goodest the goodest bestest ending is him just wanting to fight somebody else who's as good as him, I guess, which is fine. This is really just self actualization. This is a journey towards self actualization through violence. <laughs> there are the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs in this game that you have to collect: fire, earth, air, water, time, and heaven. The six crests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and the the next, so the good, the normal ending is really just a repetition of the cycle because what he does is hide all of the, he kills Phalanx, he hides all of the crests and basically waits atop his tower uh, for somebody to find the crest and try to murder him. So that's, a, that's 
That's an interesting thing, too. We're talking about some real George Frazier shit. I was going to say, so Dark Souls ripped this game off? No, they're all ripping off the (laughs) monomyth. Fucking monomyth. I got monomyth in high school. is the demon with a thousand faces. (laughs) I was... (laughs) This is a demon with like six faces. That, he does have like six faces. That picture of me proves that we are all the demon and we all have the demon within. And every culture, no matter what state you go to and what dock you have a bullshit security job on, eventually you will be on a cell phone photo in the raiment of the demon. We will all be, no, Shrug, you are the demon. And then Shrug turned into a zombie. Um, so speaking uh, of... I feel very privileged to have Red Aramur here with us in the studio, by the way, in the form of Shrug. Yeah, I had no idea. This is such a good... Uh, yeah, th- th- I think this is an, another exclusive. <laughs> Speaking of the speaking of the thousand faces of the demon or the six faces, I really enjoyed the transformations because he's got. Let's see, yeah, I think there's six. So there's the regular firebrand, but each of the crests you collect lets you transform into a different demon, and they look just they they look fairly different other than the the final two i guess uh you know you've got the ground one which is big and muscly and can't fly so no wings but you can charge forward which is cool um and i really liked the air uh demon because he's it's basically a fucking pterodactyl which is great um and then the other one that's different is the water one where you look you're just the creature from the black lagoon i mean but it's fantastic like being able to change to that many different things they all look great uh the sprite work on on firebrand is is pretty pretty damn good and then the the uh legendary which is apparently who you were before you got the crest knocked out of you by phalanx's beam and i'm kind of wondering where that beam came from more on that later and (laughs) uh you get very purple as the ultimate gargoyle which is perfect the form that you need purple is the ultimate color your true true royalty true royalty is the ultimate gargoyle you take on the color of the imperial color You become the emperor of demons in order to take on your Jungian shadow and achieve self-actualization. And then you cast off the purple robe of office. You become just another demon. You become just the self because the self is enough. They're telling a whole story here just through sprite work and colors. I mean, honestly, I do feel like this game has some pretty like it wants to be something pretty big and grand and we'll kind of get into that too but uh but yeah firebrand looks pretty damn good um i in fact just in general the sprites are very big and good looking and unexpected like there's uh this one boss okay there's a lot of bosses in this game this game is essentially like fairly short levels followed by somewhat in-depth bosses it's 
we'll get into that again. But <laughs> there's one boss that's like this weird, big, bony spider thing that also like carries its own head and throws it at you. I mean, it's just it's unexpected, which was really, really cool. Yeah, this is like a lot of Super Nintendo games had kind of this like weird bony modeled aesthetic and this game just leans into it. Everything about this game from the like visuals to the sound I really feel like is playing to what the Super Nintendo can do well. It is yeah. by far one of the most atmospheric games I've played on the Super Nintendo. It just oozes its particular like gothic horror attitude from every pore. Yeah, and the soundtrack adds to that so much. There's, like, big organs in most every uh, song. I mean, it just, it, it's very gothic. It's great. When you start the game, you're in a church, and you can't move anywhere, and there's just these loud uh, ground shaking with footsteps as this hulking shadow goes by the windows outside and over, and uh, you're like, this little figure on the the right hand side of the screen and this giant head passes by the windows to the left and then the head turns and you see the these glowing eyes of this undead dragon uh glaring through the window for a moment and it's a incredible piece of uh, scene setting for this little 16-bit platformer. Um, it's wonderful. The first thing you do is you fight this massive boss, screen-filling boss. Um, yeah, in a giant church. Fantastic. The sound effect, the sound effects work is very atmospheric and impressive as well. Like, the game starts up with um, a screen full of 16-bit uh, fire just blazing all across the screen that looks great. But also there's this uh, sound of, like, your whole screen just burning and the sound of the fire uh, roaring. There's explosion sounds that sound way more, like, detailed and uh, realistic than any other explosion sound I've heard on the Super Nintendo. Like, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, like, the the sound work on this is really good. I mean, even just the title screen, title screen doesn't have any music. It's just, like, the crackling of fire, which is great. Like, it just sets the scene really, really early on. And, uh, yeah, I have, like, yeah, there's the screenshot of the title screen. It's fantastic. And there's, like, little, like, it, he, so it starts with this big flaming thing that, main character firebrand kind of shows up in the big screen filling sprite with his wings all furled up and then he opens up his wings and like bits of his wings burn off and just turn to ash and float off the screen it's incredible like this game looks so so good um yeah I, the dragon at the beginning is great as a scene setting thing too because not only do you have to kill it it then once you pop out of the church slash coliseum thing it pops its head out after you and tries to kill you and you have to kill it a second time i mean I, it's just good there's ghosts that you can hit that like they they sort of split down the middle when you kill them uh when you die all of your skin melts off of your bones and you turn into a pile of bones and goo uh it's it, it's good and each of the the different um transformations has a very slightly different death animation as well down to some of them having different bone structures uh in at the pile of bones at the end not all of them but the uh, legendary one has horns instead of just the regular skull and stuff like that like it's great 
I was wondering if we have anyone here who knows a lot about metal, because this game is clearly, you know, doing the whole metal, like heavy metal aesthetic. But uh, I don't know enough to say if there's a specific band that they're aping the style of or that it's similar to. I mean, you know, I know Iron Maiden. I like them a lot, but I, I wouldn't say this is going for straight Iron Maiden. This is just going straight for like the entire genre of metal. Yeah, and like the the very serious side of it too. This is not the kind of game that that leans into the sort of uh well like what was that dumb game with Jack Black? I can't remember. Fruit Legend. Legends. Yeah, that one. That's the goofier side. This is very like demons and gargoyles and death and bones, you know that kind of thing. This is a very earnest, brutal demon murder collectathon. This yeah. is a remarkably satanic game for the uh, Super Nintendo, especially for something that came out in the United States, like not long after the satanic panic. I guess since there's not any crosses in it. Uh... <laughs> yeah, th this is like after, I think, like four or five Castlevania games. So I, I think stuff, at least in the video game realm, was loosening up plus plus this was like after doom and after doom everything looks pretty clean i will say that when did pokemon come out because everybody thought that was a satan game and that game was about cute you know making cute little creatures murder each other that's not that satanic yeah and i guarantee no one ever banned demon's crest from an elementary school probably well, i think probably the reason it wasn't banned from uh any school or like uh, criticized in the media was just no one played it. Yeah, it's this is one of those games that just didn't quite make it. Um, it's kind of been retroactively canonized as one of the Super Nintendo classics, but at the time, I don't think it sold too well. I think aesthetically, this game benefits a lot from being on the Super Nintendo as opposed to the NES and the Game Boy, like the previous games were. Like, the colors in this game are amazing and you just wouldn't have that kind of like rich color palette in a Famicom game, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, it's really good at doing a lot of shades of just very, uh, saturated, but dark colors. And they, there's effects like the, uh, low fog in the graveyard. That's incredibly atmospheric. And there's also the uh, the catacombs have torches that uh, if the torches go out, the entire stage darkens until it's nearly pitch black, which was uh, a wonderful effect to discover while playing the game. And that's not something that you've done on any earlier console. And we have to talk about the use of Mode 7 in this game, because I have rarely yes. seen a game actually use Mode 7 this well. Like, it's so... Okay, there is, so you play like a whole stage before it reveals to you that there's a world map in the game, which is this uh, huge Mode 7 map, and you've got your sprite of your demon flying over it, and you can just like freeform fly over this whole map and press a button to like swoop down and descend onto a part of the map, which is how you enter a level. But it's like this dark sky, this like, foggy map it's like very atmospheric it looks amazing and you uh when you turn firebrand's 
wings sort of the edges of his wings sort of jitter and you hear the sound of the wind against them it's there's all sorts of little details like that you do if you wait for the attract screen uh get to see a preview of that in the opening cinematic but if you don't wait for that you which summarizes the story so far but you don't get to see that if you're hasting yeah yeah and even even in that opening like where you see him flying over this like ocean uh scene it's like it works really well because the opening is like a lot of um a lot of like scenes of like violence or like these intense like almost like goya woodcut looking like illustrations of demons uh and then interspersed with those is just this slow and quiet like beating of the wings as your guy just flies over the ocean and uh yeah the contrast works very well i was very impressed with the atmosphere that the intro built it's also really effective in uh the conclusion of the the bad end uh it leads straight into a fucking armor sort of flying around the map for a while while a text scroll reads and it's a nice little uh atmospheric moment to uh dwell and digest after the uh, intensity of the final uh slightly nerfed battle in which it informs you that hey firebrand is just fucking tired and everything's <laughs> going to go to shit yeah it's interesting the extent to which your demon guy like is super introspective of a character in a way that you would not think you know your weird little flying red demon guy would be like just all these slow shots of him just flying thinking to himself about what he's doing he's just fucking pissed he wants he wants to get this demon that's all he cares about the end yeah i mean it's he's a good anti-hero right like anti-heroes are so often like oh i'm gonna fucking murder this bad guy oh i'm so bad and he's just like no, this this is what's happening. I'm gonna go murder a dude, but I don't know. Power is a strange thing to you know. It's it's it's, it's interesting. Um, I do want to say, and I think the original Gargoyles quest, he saves the realm from the evil demon, the eviler demon. I don't know. Where, where's yeah. the morality scale <laughs> on demons? It, it, in the first game, there's definitely talk about there were de- you know the bad demons were killing all of these other demons. We were just trying to be like demons and live in demon peace i'm not even sure there's i can't remember if there was even any reference to like the ghosts and goblins world existing in the demons quest games they i mean gargoyles quest games they probably did i'm just probably forgetting it it's only at the very very end at which point basically they're like oh you did it firebrand you got so powerful and murdered everybody uh, as a reward you get to invade the human realm which i thought was fantastic um so that's that's firebrand in a nutshell it's like save the demons murder the humans probably um although at the end of this game he murders the demon you know the the sort of yin yang thing that apparently resides in the human realm although it clearly is in the demon realm that was confusing in the text but whatever yeah like uh after playing these games i'm it's hard to play ghosts and goblins just because i want to see firebrand win (laughs) yeah um let's see what else do we have for vanity um 
So I have a question. Um, so, you know, he's called Firebrand in this localization, and we know that this character is also called uh, Red Aramur in Japan. And I was wondering if we know what that's about. What is an Aramur? I think that the Aramur thing is his species, and Firebrand is his name, because there's more than one in Ghosts and Goblins. Apparently, Firebrand is an ace-class red Aramur, seeing as how he can breathe fire in his normal form, as others of his kind do. I'm reading some trivia. Um, but there's nothing saying why the name. Why red Aramur? I did have a ton of fun watching a red Aramur kick the shit out of Arena in uh, Game Center CX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's part of the, the sort of in-joke of this series was like, it it's one of the most infamously difficult enemies in gaming of its era. So you're playing the hardest enemy in Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of appeal to that. It's like this guy that beat the hell out of me a million times in this other game. I'm him now. So from what I can gather of just looking at, and I guess this might be better for uh, investigation, but I'm going to say it now. From what I can gather... Uh, Red Red Arimer, uh just goes to the human realm basically to work out. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. He like he goes and terrorizes humans just to get bigger muscles and uh, uh, maximize your gains in the human realm environment. Get super, super buff. I'm getting so buff, guys. I murdered like a whole village and I, I lifted up some weights too. Buff. I threw so many horses. I feel so strong now. <laughs> God. Um, let's see. What else? What else for vanity? Music's good. Graphics good. Story good. Yay. What else? Just to go off on, on an earlier point, I like how much organ is in this because if there's one thing the Super Nintendo sound chip is good at, it's organs. Yeah, well, it's sample-based, right? So I guess the organ samples are better than literally any other instrument in the pack, I guess. Well, it's like uh, a simple waveform, right? Like, it makes sense that you'd be able to kind of, it's you know, it's a consistent note. It's got just a very specific sound. It doesn't change a lot. Yeah, it's. I think the organ sounds great, though. It's a perfect unity of theme and instrument. You know, there was a song in it, maybe during the intro, that uh, sounded just like the Solaris theme, um, which is a Bach piece on organ. I forget the name of it because, you know, all these Bach pieces are like op node 321 or whatever. How am I supposed to remember that? But uh, I, w I wonder if they were like trying to do a variation on that theme or if it actually was a Bach piece or something. But I enjoyed it because that piece is great. That's weird because Clint Mansell's uh, main theme for the Soderbergh Solaris remake was uh, actually based on the main theme for uh, Ghosts and Goblins. <laughs> <laughs> Few people know. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, I, it's an oh, exclusive. It's an exclusive. <laughs> Visually, what was everybody's favorite boss? Oh, I liked um, Giant Goo Tower with eyeballs in it. I, I hate the fire boss, but I love the fire boss, how it looks. 
I I think from what I actually saw, it's kind of a toss-up between the cool like dragonfly thing that shoots knives at you and the um the the big skeleton that walks around with the sword in the in like the boneyard. It would be Belf. <laughs> and the uh and the eyeball is called Ovnunu, and the flying little insect fucker is I don't know the name of that one actually. Where is that? I th- oh well. I think that might just be called Flyer according to the game FAQ I read. Yes. Yes, it's called Flyer. <laughs> That's such a terrible name. I I pre- think I think aesthetically my favorite boss is that giant sea snail. I didn't actually face it in the game. I'm just looking at sprite sheets now. Yeah, the uh, that that one actually is my favorite aesthetically as well. Uh, it's called Holothurion, and it's a sea snail, and it fucking shits at you. It like shits and barfs things at you. It's horrible. It's great though. It does I, look really cool. I like Flyer and Belf because they're one's a skeleton, and the other thing's kind of like a skeleton bug. It has really weird hit detection when it does its spinny move, which I enjoyed being frustrated by. It also looks like a weird little... It looks like they reused the sprites, the face sprite from the Manticore in the D&D games for it. So I'm pretty, pretty into that. Or just like the same guy did the sprite. I think I think that's a good vanity section. I'm happy to move on to gun. Anyone have any last notes? These people are reusing sprites. This game is gar. <laughs> yeah, it's crap now. I hate it. Um, let's move on to our next topic, which of course is gun. I uh, gotta have a. I have a hell of a lot to talk about in gun in this game. Can't believe this de- demon doesn't have a real gun. He doesn't have a gun. He's got. He can shoot fire from his fucking mouth. <laughs> it's better than a gun, as far as I'm concerned. Infinitely concealable. All right. Well, anyway, I don't want to talk about guns. Um, fire I... can be stopped with an asbestos suit. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well. Not the, not demon fire though. You can't stop demon fire with it with anything. Uh, so, guess, well, demon fire can be eaten by ghosts. Okay, that's fair. That's is fair. demon is demon fire the same thing as hellfire? Because in the 13th century, there was a lot of like exegesis on uh, exactly how hot hellfire was and if it actually burned or if it just hurt or if. I don't think there is really a consensus though. Was it really, like, were you burning? Did it just hurt you? Was it technically fire? If so, where did it... Was it hurting your body? Did you actually have a body? If (laughs) your body, if your soul experienced pain through your body, did you have a body in hell? Um, Yeah, it's very complicated. I think we can safely say that demon fire... Oh, go ahead. I recommend everyone look into it on their own time. It's pretty cool. That's I'd never heard of anybody debating that. That's that sounds good. 
No, I, I, but demon fire definitely murders people, so I don't think it's the same as hellfire. It doesn't just hurt, it hurts and it kills people. Uh, <laughs> so, be sure to ask your priest about the uh, uh, underpinning, the uh, theological implications of this Super Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah. Tell tell your priest about our podcast. Make make them listen to it. <laughs> oh man, I imagine like a as a like version of First Reformed where the priest just gets really uh, obsessed with Demon's Crest to like a world ending <laughs> proportion. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> tell your okay. priest. Tell your vicar. Tell your bishop. Tell your pastor. Yeah. Tell your what? What do they do in Zach? Well, whatever. Anyway, I want to talk about this game. <laughs> so, tell your elder. Ter- tell your Zoroastrian elder, whatever. Um, oh, I do have one last aesthetic note before we fully dive into Gone, and it's something I only just realized looking at my screenshots. The yeah. uh, the uh, cr- uh, the part of your inventory where crests go has a more than passing resemblance to the Kabbal- uh the Kabbalistic uh, tree of life and that has to surely be uh, an indication that this game is illuminati <laughs> there we go or it was possibly just every japanese thing in the mid 90s i mean yes illuminati illuminati That's what i said <laughs> Okay, so we've confirmed this game, confirmed definitely Illuminati, which is good. Um, I don't know what the Kabbalistic Tree of Life is, but, you know, it's a demon tree kind of looking thing, so that's good. Um, it's the main antagonist of um, uh, of uh, Final Fantasy VII. Which I haven't played either. I'm such a bad gamer. Um, so. I have another aesthetic note. I think the gaming for Demon's Demon is wearing a sort of shrug. <laughs> it is it's true. Illuminati. <laughs> and he's kind of poor scene looking at that. Jay Z's behind it all. Okay. Let's let's, <laughs> so, talk, let's talk about gun. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah, so getting I'll, back to gun. Um oh go ahead, Clint. No, I want to kind of go over the structure really quickly. Just we've kind of talked about it, but the really the way the game works is sort of this halfway between a uh, typical Mega Man style platformer uh, versus a Metroid game. So instead of a, so you start the game just in media res, I guess, in a level. But as soon as you finish the level, you do go up to that overworld. And from there, you can pick pretty much any level to go to, um, including the final boss, which is weird. Um, and as you kind of unlock things you'll unlock additional routes within those levels so it's not the same amount of exploratory thing as you would expect from what people call a metroidvania now Uh, what's that (laughs) this is a great chance for me to share my new uh um what's the word terminology for video games that uh so on select button forums we had a thread called like what can we call metroidvanias that's not metroidvania so Uh, I thought in the... Okay, so that thread was like a year ago, and then I spent the entire following year uh, running this constant background process in my brain trying to think of the right uh, new name for that genre because we all know Metroidvania is like the single worst word. I mean, it's almost as bad as calling 
boards of Canada are affixed to an IDM, aka Intelligent Dance Music. It doesn't get much worse than that, but uh, they're called so, especially because games. Are duck. Yeah, Rocks so. Because <laughs> there, there's games that predate Metroid and Castlevania that have this structure, so it's weird to focus on that as the only two that matter. Yeah, so I have a new term for this that I'm gonna watch out because this is gonna be the most popular word in video games soon. Um, so it's called uh, key ring platformers because your main character is a key ring, and all the abilities you collect are the different keys that you can use to traverse the world open the metaphorical doors of the world. So, uh, and you can call a keyring platformer a keyring for short, because, you know, gamers love uh, abbreviations like shmup and stuff like that. So uh, this game, Demon's Crest, is a keyring platformer because uh, the keys that you gather are your different demon forms and their different traversal abilities allow you to open the different uh, locks throughout the stages. And it's the same amount of syllables as Metroidvania. If you don't say Vania, so there you go. It's you know you're not even losing any of your your it's just as efficient. Key ring is only two, so there you go. Okay, so it's a key ring platformer. <laughs> Plus, it it also like uh, does something I really like in games like that, which is you're not just getting keys like a literal key where you have a power up that only works on one space. Basically, everything you get has other applications for the moment-to-moment action gameplay, which is something that I think really good keyring games do, and a lot of uh, sort of more recent also-ran keyring-style games don't do very well at all. Uh, what, what, if any, relationships do this, this have to the Wu-Tang Clan uh, joint Uzi pinky ring? Uh, I think we already established that the entire genre is a creation of the Illuminati so that we could metaphorically traverse the uh, Kabbalistic tree of life, which represents uh, the divine emanations of the Godhead. Jesus Christ. What he said. They there said. <laughs> are two more points on the Kabbalistic tree of life than there were original founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan. This is weird. There were something. Th- those were the up. two. Those were the two secret members that they don't reveal to the public. Firebrand and Mega Man. Uh, Capadonna and um, Madonna. Madonna. Donatello. Donatello. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk. Talk about Demon's Crest in a non-Kabbalistic way, because otherwise I'm going to get shot by Jay-Z or Beyonce or something, um, which I don't want. Well, if I'm going to get shot by anybody. Anyway, uh, so so the, it has that going on, but it is honestly, I think, a lot closer to Mega Man in structure, because the world map really just acts as like that stage select kind of thing without telling you what the boss is going to be at the end. Um, it just has some branching paths therein. So it's almost like an extension of the Mega Man X thing where you have secrets. Now the secrets are entire side levels. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, so the structures is... I is uh what's the word I'm looking for? Ambitious. It's an ambitious structure that I don't think they fully realized. I did not really see much Mega Man in this. I know that uh many people, including many people on the internet, disagree, but to me this game felt very much like Capcom does Castlevania to but a bigger edition of that. 
I would say when I say Mega Man, I'm mostly thinking, well, I'm thinking of the level select screen and I'm thinking of the, the moment to moment play, which feels like if, if Mega Man was slow, if Mega Man X was slow, but could hover, uh, it, it feels like you're controlling space a lot. You're, you only have so many projectiles you can have on the screen at once too. You're constantly switching. I was, I found myself constantly switching between abilities based on the enemies I was facing. So that was what made me think Mega Man. Uh, structurally, it is more similar to Castlevania 2 because you're finding really bizarre things sometimes. And I also would compare it to Mega Man because you can fight a lot of the bosses in different orders and win with a lot of different uh, demon forms. But if you have better demon forms for that particular boss because it has a weakness, you can make it much easier. The thing that like really elevates this over the Mega Man structure is that you those forms are secret as opposed to clear and in the open. Well, I mean, I I only played uh, up until the the Fire Lord boss fight, and uh, the demon forms did not seem to have like such a clear like uh, one is significantly more advantageous than the other kind of structure to it. Um, unlike Mega Man, where like uh, either you're using the the Buster or you're using uh the one specific weakness of the boss yeah it's definitely more subtle than that i mean some of the different forms that you collect in this game uh their attack does more damage to a particular boss but not in a uh not all the way mega man style where it's like you know this is the one weapon that kills this one boss and if you have it equipped you're going to kill the boss in two seconds it doesn't quite do that but there's still like there's a little bit more thought and strategy involved like oh this there's a balance, right? Like, this one's attack hits harder, but it's harder to hit the guy, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I personally would compare it more to, like, the sub-weapons in a classic Vania game, where uh, certain bosses can be uh, much more easily dealt with if you have the right sub-weapon, but, like, it, those sub-weapons are purely optional. I would also argue that, like, the similarity isn't just in terms of mechanics, but it's also because, like, one of the bosses literally has the same pattern as a Mega Man X boss. Uh, Arma's first encounter is literally a Mega Man X boss uh, that was ported over. And the ground shot, um, that's also a weapon from Mega Man X. So there's like a bunch of like stuff from Mega Man that is in this game. And if you only play a little chunk of it, like you're going to be exposed to that content and you're going to think it looks a lot like Mega Man. I would. I, I think the thing that separates it from both of from <clears throat> Castlevania specifically and more into the Mega Man thing, although it is more subtle, is that I did find myself switching a lot between the different forms once I had them mid-fight, specifically between the regular form with one of the upgraded breath weapons uh, versus the aerial form, which you can fly up. You basically have unlimited flight um, and can go up instead of just hovering. Um, and that's actually one thing to note really specifically about Firebrand is that Firebrand in this game, not true in previous games, can hover indefinitely. So if you reach the peak of your jump and then hit the jump button again, you'll hover there. You can also cling to walls. So sort of similarly to how Mega Man X can jump up walls. So you have these traversal things that they have to counter essentially by using up all of the space of the screen versus just the ground levels or like things that are on the ground. Again, making it feel like Mega Man to me. But yeah, I found myself switching a lot throughout the levels and even in certain bosses 
it, it felt strategic versus I have this sub weapon, I have to keep it. It's the only one that I need. To be totally explicit for hypothetical listeners' uh, benefit, you have, you start out as having a fragment of the firecrest. The firecrest has been shattered and scattered to the winds. And as you play, you pick up various pieces of the firecrest, which give you different breath weapons mostly uh, that will give you, you can switch to and uh, give you different capabilities. Uh, you also pick up uh, earth, water, air crests that enable you to take different forms and do different things that have different special actions. Uh, the air crest lets you actually gain elevation. You can fly upwards uh, when you are flying, which is real handy. The water thing uh, lets you not fucking drown when you're underwater and also gives you a breath weapon that is kind of essential to getting past uh, certain underground obstacles. And Earth lets you do a dash to knock things out of the way and gives you a spe very special breath weapon that lands on the ground and blows things up. You also have potion slots, magical scroll slots. Most of those are fucking useless. And uh, various artifacts that you can pick up to give you buffs. Uh, there, we have our first principles. <laughs> yes, now, now people listening will have some idea how this game plays. One thing I think should be noted, uh, this game manages to be uh, very challenging, even though traversal is not in itself a challenge, because right from the start, you are given the ability to hover over most of the stage like you're playing Kirby or something. This, uh, no, I Those just thought of the dudes... worst bottom line. I'm going to save it for the end of the... Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Those dudes in the graveyard. I was about to say... Those dudes in the graveyard fucking aim at you. They aim at you. They don't the aim wolf. at you in Castlevania. The ones that throw things at you. Maybe yeah, some fun. of them aim at you in Castlevania, but usually uh, you, you, people throw things in predictable arcs and you can, they aim at you. Yeah, and nobody's ever aimed at Kirby, let's be real here. <laughs> Kirby lives a blessed life. He's just a marshmallow fluff, coasting around, eating everything he wants. Firebrand has to struggle. Though he is a powerful demon, everything is struggle. He loves the struggle. He, yep, he, he feels the burn. He's trying to get, get yoked, so, you know, makes sense. <laughs> it's all about the gains. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I do want to, yeah, I think that the... Level design and enemy placement in this is brilliant. It's another thing that adds that reminds me of Mega Man X. Like, even though traversal is not necessarily challenging, especially at first, there are a lot of vertical set segments with spikes on the walls and shit, um, and enemies popping out and like very strange flying challenges. And the fact that you can't ascend for a very long time makes you it made me think very 
much about how much height I could have. It, to me, it was a height management game. I was constantly managing how high I was. And like, especially during boss fights, height is crucial. You have to be at certain heights to avoid uh, attacks or to actually make attacks. You have to manage your height so that enemies will attack you lower um, so that you can actually hit them instead of just constantly hovering above you. Um, it, height management is incredibly important in this game. You can descend by hitting the jump button again, and then while you're descending, you can hit the jump button yet another time and start hovering again. Uh, I found the biggest challenge uh, at the end of the game, you get an ultimate gargoyle form, which has all of the powers. Um, in the final real deal this is the actual boss uh defeat this to achieve self-actualization thing you finally end up in a room it starts out as just a big cavernous room and you have to dodge uh it starts out as hell uh appropriately enough and it gets worse because it shoots projectiles against the wall and against the floor that turn what they hit into sections of spikes. And eventually the entire room is lined with spikes, so you cannot rest anywhere. So you have to fly constantly. And so you have your main jump button uh, with which you hover and uh, stop hovering, so you drop like a rock. And then you have your special button with which you ascend when you're already hovering. And I found my biggest difficulty was in trying to train myself after a game uh, where I didn't really have to... Like, there are some potential flying challenges in this, but not you're not doing anything that's super intricate all the time. Uh, suddenly you have to do, you're dodging 13 projectiles and trying to shoot this thing in the face during its brief moment of invulnerability uh, through this fairly clunky system of managing these two buttons. And it doesn't work very well at that point. Yeah, it is. It's clunky. Like if, specifically with the one where you can fly up, it would be so much nicer to be able to just hit up and go up and hit down and go down um, instead of having to hit A to go up and then rapidly tap B to go down quick, like very slowly or very quickly, depending on... I mean, yeah, it doesn't work in that situation. The last boss, the very final boss, sucks and is bad. I, I really like at least... I haven't got to the final boss because I got started with this a little late, but I do like how it feels to fly. It feels like you're putting some kind of effort into flying, and it makes flying, which, say, to compare it to Kirby, flying in Kirby is very, very effortless, but flying in this game made, I was thinking about it constantly. So even though I could move in ways almost no other side-scrolling platform character could move, I was still concerned about how I was moving and thinking about it all the time, and I really liked that. The game just ends up demanding too much of you, finally, for what, for the controls. It feels like, uh, yeah, it's just, they put, 
it feels like they started with the basic gargoyle body and said, this is how this is going to work. And then they built out from there, and then they finally went, okay, here's the final ultimate gargoyle, bo- gargo- yeah. gargoyle body. Grilgoyle body, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so we're going to have to work backwards to make all of these different inputs work. I, and I want- then we're going to throw this challenge at this final body. And it doesn't work in this final room. And it was the 90s, so, like, you you know, whatever. You'll rent it next week at Blockbuster. Or you're not going to get another game for uh, six months or until Christmas. So you're just going to play it over and over again. But you know what? I'm 35 years old. And I'm 40 pounds heavier than I was when that picture got taken. And I'm about to have hand surgery. And I I can't do this anymore. I can't. I, and I can't. I, I agree, too. Cause I, I can't. <laughs> Clint. Shrug. I can't do it. I just, I just want to say that while this isn't like a justification because like the default control should be the controls they think you're going to play the game with, you could totally make uh, one of the action buttons the shoulder button, and I think to make yourself fly, and I think that would make the some of those fights a lot easier. Yeah, they don't use all the buttons. Capcom, there's two more buttons. Oh, you can remap it. I forgot about that. That would have made it harder for me because I was using my phone for 70% of this. But, uh, yeah, that would make sense with a controller. I will say that I kind of like the the slight or major sometimes clunkiness of this game's controls. For some reason, it was clunky in a way that I I kind of liked. Like, it kind of just felt good to me. Like, kind of like driving a manual car. Like, I'm driving a manual demon, you know? And, um, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like it especially... Feels very physical. Yeah, exactly. And especially in the boss fights, I like how you have to like kind of consider the placement of your shots at the at the enemy like and I like that it has this really long invincibility window every time you hit a boss. So you have to like, you know, just get off a shot and then reposition yourself and get ready for the next one. Like it felt really good, but I would hate to fight the final boss of this game. Like, yeah, once it gets to a certain point like when you're really fighting the clunkiness in a way where, like, you have to just hit the exact precision, yeah, that would be bad. And I, I would say the the hardest part of all of that is that when you get hit uh, mid-flight, you get knocked back quite a bit, <clears throat> and you can't resume flying for a solid half second. And since you have to hit a button to resume flying, you can't hold it, so you got to hit it at the right time, but you can't mash it because if you hit it twice, you'll start falling again. So you have to just hit it at exactly the right time after being hit. That, once there's a lot of stuff flying around, becomes very, very difficult. Um, and again, I only think this falls apart in the last maybe two bosses um, that are fairly hard to even get to. Um, but I do think it falls apart at that point. It's 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 too much, um, too much going on. Plus, at that point, you have like 20 health, and so it becomes almost a war of attrition. So you are getting hit a lot, um, and, and that makes it, you know, 
you, since you're getting hit so much, it's very frustrating to try and just get back into a, a groove and a rhythm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I wanted to say, oh, I will say the other part where I think this game is very, very unfair is the uh, boss of the third level, which is the forest that later sets on fire. Uh, and it's a flaming boss thing. The first form is fine. It's sort of difficult, but once you get the rhythm, it's fine. The second form sucks. It's this floating orb, and it has three different things it can do. It can go in a quick sine wave pattern to the right or to the left. Uh, it can drop fire on you from above, uh, and it can do a diving attack at you. And it chooses between those randomly without any pause whatsoever, it can switch directions on a dime as soon as the attack is done, uh, and it moves just fast enough that you can't walk away from it. It's very slightly faster than you. So I found myself getting hit in ways that were literally impossible to dodge because it wasn't a reaction time thing. It was a, I was placed wrong, but I don't know how I would have been placed any better. That was a huge barrier for me. I almost didn't play past that. The game actually gets easier up until the final boss. I feel like as you kind of start collecting things, it actually gets way easier after that fire boss. Uh, Earth Gargoyle and the special rushing move to move faster and abusing your Super Nintendo's rewind feature. So you know when to actually wind up your rushing away. That is how you beat the fire boss legitimately without cheating. <laughs> I did forget that the Super Nintendo had that re rewind button. It, it was like, the, I, I think that's what uh, they said was the main inspiration for Sands of Time, the King Prince of Persia game. Yeah, Demon's Crest, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say that... Um, since the last episode I was on, which was a while ago, uh, I got a Super Nintendo Classic uh, mini SNES thing, and I played this game on it. And that is a really nice little piece of hardware. It's pretty cool. I mean, I was, like, having a real hard time emulating Super Nintendo games before I got that thing, just because, you know, I've got the... Uh, 8-bit do like Super Nintendo, you know, replica controller. But every time I connect it to whatever emulator I end up using on my PC, it always maps the, the controls incorrectly. And I always have to do this whole long manual process to get it working and everything. But, but the uh, Super Nintendo Classic just kind of works. And by the way, I hacked it to put Demon's Crest on it. And it's extremely easy to hack. <laughs> I mean, you're an archivist. It's okay if you're an archivist. That's right. I have a master's degree. <laughs> no, li literally, they just confirmed in the law that like there's certain kinds of digital preservation that if you're a library or an archive, it's actually okay to do. Except for video games. Hell yeah. It, it explicitly excludes video games. Is that true? Dave, one second yes. before that grant of one cent. Um, yeah, that's right. I'll bring you a penny in Virginia. Sounds good. <laughs> um, shit, what else was I going to say? I actually took like six notes. I don't remember. Oh, I did want to mention, so we, we kind of talked about how some of the abilities unlock certain areas that you can go to. And some, like, and 
ideally they would also be useful in combat. Um, some of them are neither. Like one of them that you get is the tornado where you can stand on it. But very shortly thereafter, you get the air crest, which just lets you fly. Uh, so that's a hundred percent better because the tornado one leaves you completely offenseless because you're shooting platforms um, and you have to jump on them and it's impossible. And then you can also, you know, then with the flying one, you can also shoot. It's stupid. There's also the, there's one that lets you uh, barf <laughs> onto spikes and it will stick and let you have a temporary platform on those spikes. You already have the air crest again, totally negated by that. I don't understand why it's in I there. It doesn't have any purpose. I, in its defense, the finding the aircraft, and I'm not going to explain it to spoil the game. I didn't. I think I actually beat the boss right after where the aircraft is found, and I did not know that was there until I accidentally saw in a walkthrough. So, like, I think you could go a very long way in this game without having the aircraft. I found the aircraft. I found the aircraft before the tornado thing, and when I got the tornado thing, I was like what am I even doing here? Like, why, why? <laughs> I, kept, I see. I kept trying to spit wind in enemies' faces. Just, I mean, it's what I do in real life. So <laughs> I I never, like, it never worked. It was I just, just like, like real life. It was just like real life, Tiger. Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like real life. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I, I also, I did not, I don't think I stayed up as late as OSP, but I did stay up till like three in the morning last night. Hell yeah, insomnia solidarity. I stayed up until six in the morning last night watching the Hardys, and I'm fine. I stayed up till 11 p.m., Perhaps even as late as midnight. I can't remember. I'm going through serious drug withdrawal, and I'm living in hell. Thanks, psychiatric nurse. Tiger, you were going to say something, right? I yeah, was just saying, I, I was just going to say, uh, I, as weird and kind of bad as the design is, I like that there's an object that's redundant because it makes the world feel almost more real that there's objects that aren't designed that exist in the world. Like, it's a cool power you have, but it's not like a power that some kind of god of the universe knew. It's like, oh yeah, this is gonna, you might not even need this. And I like that it's there. You know what? I'm having flashbacks to when I first played this, and I also did not get the air crest until very late. Um, I think I actually got it maybe after the sticky thing with on the spikes and I got stuck on a stage and I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to have to go find some other stuff. And then I found the air crest. I was like, Oh, I can fly. So I guess you, you kind of have to have those items in there because the air crest is secret, but you have to get everything for the fire crest to get to certain levels, I believe. So, yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, but they are, they don't have any combat use whatsoever, which is a bit of a bummer. So. And I also found the, uh, the sort of, thing where you could make platforms with the wind i was like this is neat and it also made me think boy i actually liked this a little bit better in the uh latter two donkey kong countries that use the same mechanic i didn't play i don't know those <laughs> oh god you can That's be so... a spot you turn into a spider in them oh, yeah 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 it's cool you can with the spider yeah and you can shoot a web and then you can make the web into a platform and i actually thought that was a, a really fun part of those games 
You What's get to a Donkey the Kong? Uh, it's like uh, it's like a Monkey Kong, except uh, with big ears. It can turn into a spider. It's mm-hmm. sort. It's the it's the worst version of Congo Bongo. Okay, so so these games are still extremely satanic, right? I only play games satanic. It's like Shrek, <laughs> but with a necktie. Shrek tie. Oh God! Um, rename rename Donkey Kong Shrek tie. <laughs> Let, what um what other gun notes do we have before we move on? Because we're we're getting a we've been we've been on for an hour and a half. We we have a lot to we've I got a lot to talk about. Oh, what, yeah, what do we have else for gun? Um, I meant to say this during Vanity, but someone has to mention it. Uh, the jungle level in this game pulls an Angel Island Zone Act too. Like you start out oh, the does. level, you start out the level, and it's a totally fine, chill uh, jungle, and then. Uh, halfway through, it lights on fire totally, and it's just everything's on fire, and you just get Sonic and Knuckles flashbacks. Sonic 3, yeah. Oh, oh, that's one thing I wanted to mention, was that there are two bosses that change the second time you encounter them. Um, the first one is that fire boss, because there is a flaming roof of leaves uh, when you first encounter that boss, and it'll shoot birds up that go into those leaves and then drop fire down. The second time you encounter it, for some reason... There is not a flaming leafy canopy, and so those birds that go up don't do anything, which is weird. I don't know if that's intentional. I think it might be a bug. Uh, but the other one is not definitely not a bug. It's that big slug. When you first encounter it, it chases you from the left side and is facing left, and it doesn't move at all. Um, so you're fa- you're fighting it facing left so you can kill it. The next time you come back, it skips that whole sequence, and now it's actually facing left it's facing the opposite direction so you fight it the opposite way so just a neat little touch there um i think the other one might be a bug though is it just me or this game is easier than the other two gargoyles quest games way easier way way easier gargoyles quest and gargoyles quest 2 are fucking nightmares yeah i tried playing these games uh during my commute uh last year and I found them completely brutal. I was trying to get through the games in order and I eventually gave up and I was very surprised when this game was actually playable. You can get five, five ginsengs. I'm holding up five fingers, five ginsengs (laughs) in your potion bottles. Once you have all the potion bottles, that's five full refills of your life. This game is fairly generous, in fact. Like, when you die, you can retry infinite times. It will bring you to the last door you entered, which is usually shortly before you died if it's right before a boss. Uh, There's very few times you even have to move through much of the level to get to a boss again. You don't have lives. You don't have continues. You have a password system that saves all of the important stuff that you got, and you can just return to that. Uh, it's fairly generous. And then you have, yeah, you can get up to five full refills of your life. And all it takes is some grinding on, on smashing windows with your face. But yeah, it's, 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 I really like this game. I had a great time playing it. I felt engaged with the mechanics at pretty much all times. Uh, and then it ends. It's very short. Like, it, I mean, not very, but it's a four or five hour game. I, I don't think it outstays its welcome at all, except for that very final boss. If that was cut, this would be a pretty damn good, like a, a perfect length. That very final boss is too much. I think having like an optional super hard final boss is, is generally okay in my book. 
I mean, yeah, it's fine. I, I guess it's you're not really missing anything if you don't beat it. Like, it's not like some major thing. So, yeah, that's fair, too. But, yeah, I really like the length of this game being not very lengthy. The way it's structured is you beat it, get the good ending, and then you are given a special because the saves aren't saves. They're just handled as passwords that give you, you know, states. Um, and you're given a special password and that'll put you in the place where, you know, you're able to challenge this final boss and so you enter that and you're all powered up and you can do everything and you can fight the dude. So it's very clearly isolated as a special optional thing that you can do. Uh, if you really want to help me seven years ago achieve uh, <laughs> self-actualization through violence. Through violence. All right. I think I think we've gunned out this game. So let's move on to our next topic. Oh, wait. What's that? It's the salary man corner, corner, corner. Uh, yeah, so Salary Man Corner, where we play the games that we don't want to play for the main podcast, including pachinko games, mahjong games, horse racing games, and now all of the NHL games. This week, we're playing Pachio-kun Special 2, uh, which, I'm not going to lie, I picked it specifically because I thought the name was nice, and I knew Pachio-kun was some sort of mascot. Um, so it's a pachinko game released in Mumble Mumble. I didn't look it up. I played it for five minutes. It looks like it's an RPG pachinko game. Um, what is it? <laughs> I'm gonna go feed my cats. Okay. That's an RPG basically Pachinko game. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, that's basically what it is. It's an RPG Pachinko game. It was released in 1994 by Coconuts Japan, which is a company that makes really mediocre sports games and apparently pretty good Pachinko games. If this game is an, any indication. Uh, it's the continuation of Pachiokun Special 1, of course, as you might assume from the name. Uh, and I have to read the translation I made of the intro sequence. Well, it's not a literal translation. It's a, like I, I, I basically wrote down an explanation of what the intro sequence is. I really want to play this game. I think I'm going to stream this game. It sounds amazing. And in fact, the entire series sounds amazing. Uh, but that's because I like weird pachinko rpgs and stuff uh so get ready for the intro sequence get your tissues out <laughs> so little maru was being bullied at school because despite being the prince of the pachinko star he didn't actually know anything about pachinko the next morning queen ginko his mom was worried as she couldn't find maru around the house but instead the cabinet minister because apparently they're in some sort of government <laughs> rushed in with a letter telling her that there was something she needed to see. Scribbled in crayon on that piece of paper were the words, Dear Mom and Dad, I'm going away to study pachinko for a while. <laughs> Pachio tells his wife not to worry, as he probably just ran off to pachinko land. So he leaves in his flying space car to go to pachinko land, which is a giant pachinko themed theme park. And that's where the title screen appears, and then you start the game, and you get welcomed to this theme park, and somebody gives you a little wallet with 3,000 yen, 
in it, and then you can go play as much pachinko as you want as you try to find your son. Oh, wait, wait. You're not playing as the son. You're playing as the king or the queen or something? You're the king trying to rescue, well, not rescue, but find your son that got probably lost in Pachingo Land. Amazing. Did, did, did you mention that they're all Pachinko balls? <laughs> they're all Pachinko balls wearing like baseball caps and weird shoes and stuff. It's amazing. But, but not the people in Pachinko Land, just the kingdom of Pachinko Balls. You're surrounded by completely normal humans. You are a Pachinko Ball surrounded by humans when you visit Pachinko Land. And you're like the king or prince or whatever of Pachinko Balls, and you're just sending all your subjects through these machines to bounce around violently off of pins. That's monarchy. I go to hell. <laughs> That's monarchy. <laughs> Shit. Oh, we have played a, a Coconuts Japan game before. We played Pachi Slot Love Story ages ago. Oh, the one with the uh, the the fucking the Kappa that nobody believed was a Kappa, right? The one with the turtle. There is somebody stole a turtle. Is, I don't fucking know. Is that the same one that that one yeah, yeah. Uh, emote is from? That's the one. It's probably I. I think I got an emote from that. Yeah. Join this exploration Discord by giving $5 to our Patreon, <laughs> and you can find out what I mean by an emote. Tiger, do you want to bring up American Dream? Oh, yeah. Uh, I I did more research on this than Demon's Crest this time, because I was just so enamored with the idea of a pachinko RPG. So these guys, this isn't the first one. This is a long-running series. There were some ones on uh, the NES, well, the Famicom. There were ones on the Game Boy. Uh, and they had a spinoff for the Famicom where you played American gambling games and you had to gamble your way through the dangerous streets of New York eventually uh going to um new jersey and which is apparently the best place to gamble and to become the king of gamblers in the world or something and it has random encounters where you're like forced to play craps or something like that it just said dice on the wiki entry and in order because people will like jump you and force you to play craps and you can stop this by buying guns because you can just buy guns in america like that Wow. I think Coconuts Japan went from worst developer to greatest developer with this one series. <laughs> there, there's a gameplay detail in this actual game we're talking about I'd really like to discuss because I was like, is this really what this is? And... I, and and it just kind of blew me away. So in one of the other episodes like that we talked about, there was a game where you could adjust like bent pins to simulate what bent pins were in your local pachinko machine. Well, this game doesn't have that. This game has pachinko parlors full of pachinko machines, and each of those pachinko machines has different bent pin patterns that impact the bouncing of the balls. So part of winning at this game is figuring out what machines have the most beneficial broken pins to use for playing pachinko oh my god this game has everything it has drama it has pachinko it has detailed simulations of pachinko <laughs> everything i think this is like the going to be the pachinko equivalent to battle jockey where we found the greatest pachinko game ever made and now it basically deserves its own episode although probably i'm just going to stream it and like two people will care but whatever 
You should definitely. I don't think this game deserves its own episode. It is. It is surprisingly deep for a pachinko game, but it is a pachinko game. And I'm sorry, <laughs> there's no way you can make me play pachinko for an hour. <laughs> I also was just like, well, I sat down in front of a pachinko machine and played it for a while, but, you know, not understanding what was going on. So, yeah, OK, well, that's it's the one of the most interesting salaryman corners we've had. That's for sure. It, there's more there's like four different pachinko machines and if i'm looking at the map i think there's more because i think you unlock different stages of the kingdom with different themed pachinko machines that's a lot of pachinko there's also a prize area just like in any pachinko parlor i'm starting to wonder if the sun is going to be one of the prizes <laughs> oh my god that's got to be it, because otherwise, why would you play Pachinko to get your son back? It doesn't make any sense. Um, unless your your son is one of the balls, and you have to you have to collect them. You just see him screaming in one of the machines once. You're like, no, my son. <laughs> um, all right. So that's the salary man corner. Um, let's let's go back. Let's remember what game we we're talking about. It's called Demon's Crest, and we're gonna move on to our next topic which is investigation shin shin no wait that doesn't have echo um so so i i'm i'm not even really sure what to talk about here because we have talked about quite a bit of um this i do want to i i want to say my personal history with this game started with gargoyles quest though um and that's one of the few games that is that hard that i've beaten legitimately because my dad had the actual cartridge and i played it and beat the damn thing all the way through and it's hard as hell i also played through gargoyles quest 2 and in my typical fashion i played it uh, it's an nes game i played it on my game boy advance using an emulator that had a rewind feature so i beat that game but i used the rewind feature quite a bit to do it uh so yeah so but that's that's my contribution what do we have for investigation uh i just found a really interesting website um Okay, so while I was playing Demon's Crest, I was trying to look up where to get all the optional items and stuff like that. And when I did that, uh, Google brought up some website where someone had put together like an item FAQ that like describes what all the items do and where to get them and everything. It was pretty useful, pretty cool Web 1.0 style uh, web design. I was surprised how high it ranked in Google. I mean, this, this site has weirdly good SEO. But so I just went and looked at the rest of that website. It's called Flying Omelette. And uh, it is like real web 1.0 hours, but it's like still getting updated as of like 2017 at least. And uh, while I was looking around on it, I mean, this site is huge. It's got a lot of stuff on it. Um, I found a like blog post this person did, but this is like every uh, genre of web content all in one page. And it really is like interesting. So, okay, it's a blog post about the SEO of this website. So I guess this this person did put some effort into showing up in Google. They're like describing what meta descriptions and keywords and link anchor relevance are and all this stuff. So there's that like straight up informational content, right? But then underneath that on the same page, there's a like a bunch of like fan fiction characters like talking about SEO in a script format with little avatars. And then under that, 
there's screenshots from a web forum from 2008 where you can scroll through an entire thread and then after that there's more of that like screenplay type stuff and then under that there's a link to an actual forum thread where you can talk about this article and it's just like i've never seen all this kind of stuff in one page and it's really i mean i feel like i'm looking at this like incredible like edifice that this one person has constructed i'll post a link in the chat that's really bizarre live in the web 1.0 dream yeah like all the way <laughs> i mean just to a little off topic but i've been thinking it's like you know all the re there's a ton of stuff you could do with like html 1.0 easily that you couldn't do back in the day because of bandwidth like have a ton of pictures and stuff that you could do super easily right now It'd probably be really cool. That's kind of what this is. Like, this person is really going all out with it. It's kind of cool, actually. This kind of looks like Jeremy Parrish's old, like, Eva screen cap comics down here. <laughs> that means so little to me, and I love it. I know who Jeremy Parrish is. That's all. <laughs> I included a ROM with this, a, a legitimate cartridge. The titled inventory menu so there's the regular one and then there's some something that says inventory menu i couldn't figure out the difference between that and the regular i'm wondering if it's a rom hack so i'm going to do some digging now to see if i can find a rom hack for it but did anybody else try it nope that's fine no. <laughs> one thing apparently i i just visited the cutting room floor and the most notable thing about this game in terms of region differences is uh, that the first boss in the game, the undead dragon that you fight, is twice as difficult in America than it is in Japan. Oh, weird. That That's pretty typical. There's a lot of uh, American games that they a lot of American versions of games that they make harder partially because of the fact that we don't, we have a rental market and Japan doesn't. And also just there's a perception for a lot of uh, Japanese developers that persisted for years. That was Americans like harder games. Like Contra hardcore. Hi, I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. That's I a, would... uh, uh, yeah. Contra hardcore is a great example. Cause it like, has a like number of lives select and more forgiving continues in the Japanese version. So weird. Cause like in my experience, we hate harder games. <laughs> People are constantly complaining about how hard a game is here. Anyway, that's my experience anyway. Maybe with the panty waste you hang out with in your SJW um daycares full of um feminized um, oh God, truck. <laughs> um i'm sorry I well it might just think, be me though i do complain about i couldn't i couldn't think of i was trying to think of somewhere else to go that didn't involve using actual slurs and you didn't use any actual slurs that's good <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to find a path to go from there that wouldn't would continue not using actual slurs and my brain was just running into wall after wall. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's just cuz, you know, that kind of stuff is 
that from bad people. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, okay. So that's interesting. So it's slightly, slightly harder in the American version. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the joke is maybe lost on people in the States a little bit, uh, simply because I don't feel like ghosts and goblins and gargoyles and ghouls and grabums and whatever uh, was nearly as popular here. Like it was popular, but it didn't enter the cultural like um, iconography as much. So the fact that you're playing as this incredibly irritating and difficult bad guy from another game, I don't think that has the same impact, but it could just be me because I didn't play those games. I think part of it was that it never managed to make the jump into the PlayStation Nintendo 64 era the way a lot of other franchises from this period did. So if you're a little bit younger, uh, you might not. I don't think this was as big of a thing. Well, it was also just not known on the Super Nintendo when the Super Nintendo was a big thing. It was it's just an obscure game for mysterious reasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's Demon's Chris. I just mean Ghosts and Goblins in general. I mean, Ghosts and Goblins did have the Maximo games on the PlayStation 2. Yeah, I I read about those at one point. I was like, oh, that'd be fun to play. But I didn't get the connection to Ghosts and Goblins from the magazine I was reading. <laughs> Long labored statement about how actually Devil May Cry is Ghosts and Goblins. <laughs> There's an ar- there's a real argument there that that was a joke. No, that make it. Devil May Cry is Resident Evil. Devil May Cry is what, Topa? <laughs> Resident Evil. Ah, Resident Evil. Yes, <laughs> it is 100% Resident Evil. Like that's where it started development as a Resident Evil game. And Resident Evil is Goof Troop, so Devil May Cry is Goof Troop. Yeah, that's canonical. <laughs> There's there's code from the Super Nintendo Goof Troop game in Resident Evil. How amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's the best factoid I've heard all year. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> it's pretty damn good. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Uh, there's a passcode on Game FAQs that says boss mode, which makes me think there's a boss rush. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't know shit. <laughs> We really investigated a lot because we were so awake. You know, <laughs> speaking of being very awake, what? <laughs> when I finally watched the opening cinematic, such as it is, and, you know, understood more or less what the story was doing, when I saw Phalanx attack the diminished, depleted, very tired uh, firebrand in full Mode 7 glory with some kind of beam, some kind of orb formation. Uh, I kind of... the thing that came to mind... What it looked to me was, um, I sort of, now this might be because they reused the same animation just for any sort of action, the same animation as they use for Firebrand, uh, when he does his swoop, 
uh, when you initiate that for uh, phalanx doing any sort of particular, you know, mode seven motion. Thus, when he shoots his beam, he does, you know, the swoop animation. I'm so conscious, and that's why I'm forming these wonderful sentences. Um, when Firebrand does his swoop, it uh, looks sort of like he's thrusting his hips forcefully forward, like he's trying to fuck the air. So when <laughs> Phalanx shoots his beam at Firebrand, it looks sort of like he's shooting the beam from his demon dick. So did Phalanx shoot his beam from his demon dick? That's my question. Is that what we're supposed to believe, or is this just a... Is this just an accident? Is this the real life? Or is, is this, this just dick fantasy? <laughs> I mean, he definitely shot it from This is the realm. There are no demon dicks. As far as we can establish, there is no such thing as sexual reproduction within the demon realm. And why would there be? Would you uh, say that uh, the Red Arimer needs to waste his time uh, having impure sexual thoughts when he could spend all of his time working out by throwing horses at humans? What's more onanistic than getting swole? That's true. Maybe, though we don't see them on the sprite, there is, in fact, a whole universe of demon dicks. Maybe they're retractable. Look, phalanx, phalanx, of course, phalanx comes from the classical Greek military formation. Uh, rectangular, forward-facing, military, close uh, formation, infantry, uh, very, pretty effective when uh, facing an opponent head-on. Uh, not so great in wide open spaces when when uh, you don't have support on your flanks however uh, it was often speculated that the reason that it was so de rigueur in classical greece was because there was a certain formalism to combat between the uh, warring city-states uh, one group of hoplites would come out, say, we're going to bring your fucking crops, come out and fight us. The other one would go, okay, and then they would square up in their uh, respective phalanxes, and they would just run up against one another, you know. They would just do their thing. Uh, eventually, uh, Philip of Macedon fucking went, hey, here's a phalanx with longer spears, and steamrolled everybody. Probably the best military innovation in the history of the world. Longer spears. Super great. Uh, yeah. What was it? Uh, of course, we all recall uh, Spacteria? <laughs> I think it was Spacteria. When the infamously redoubtable uh, Spartans they um, they surrendered for the first notable time in history. Everyone was shocked. How could you do this? 
and they said they were throwing spindles at us. Spindles usually interpreted as darts. But basically, they were saying they cheated because they were throwing shit. So we went home. Never mind. They're not doing war right. That's where Beyblades came from. Yes, that's definitely Beyblades. Uh, See one second before his master's thesis on that. Um, Where was I? Yeah. What does this have to do with video games? I have no uh, idea. Phalanxes <laughs> were formations formed up, formed by citizen soldiers, uh, known as hoplites. Uh, they were fairly heavily armored for their time. Uh, <laughs> they had relied on, uh, relied primarily, uh, their defense relied primarily on the uh, large circular shield called the Hoplon, uh, hence the name Hoplite. It's right. Uh, well, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, okay. Um, called the Hoplon, hence the name Hoplite. Uh, they wore helms on their head. Uh, they wore uh, fucking breastplates made out of a variety of materials, depending on... Uh, their location, where they came from, and the precise, you know, time period. Usually they provided all these things themselves. They were primarily citizens, after all. Um, being able to provide armor for yourself was considered uh, a mark of status, etc. Um, they lower body, lower body, this is important. This is what I'm getting to. On their lower body, they wore greaves on their shins often of bronze or brass. Nothing, absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing in front of their dicks. Ah. They relied on their large round shields as well as the shields of the person to their right, interlinked within the phalanx formation to protect them and below, between the knees and the neck, really. Um, but also, they, you know, had that chest armor as an extra bit of support. But anyway, their dicks were just there behind, like, a, basically the equivalent of a fucking skirt. They were just hanging there freely. Shooting beams. Thus, yes, this supports my thesis that <laughs> phalanx phalanx probably shoots dick beams <laughs> i've just been sitting here picturing uh, shrug like giving a symposium lecture like this is just him at the front of this giant uh lecture hall is what i'm picturing <laughs> oh my god well okay it's definitely a dick i'm beam. pointing i'm pointing to a powerpoint with a Stick. <laughs> Are you just pointing at a PowerPoint with a stick and the PowerPoint is just an MS Paint drawing of a penis? <laughs> um, and I just want, I looked it up. It was the that battle of Sphacteria and I hate myself. <laughs> so, speaking yes. of hating uh, myself, 
Uh, I spent most of Shrug's excellent presentation preparing the notes for my presentation for the symposium wow. on uh, historical and religious interpretations of demons' crests. And I want to say, going back to what I suggested about the crest itself being a symbolic representation of the Tree of Life or Sephirot of uh, of Kabbalah, I will note that the order you uh, acquire the various crest powers corresponds to the ten sephirot on the tree of life. But because uh, you are in the demon realm, the tree of life is actually flipped upside down. It is the tree of death in this game. For you see, the very <laughs> final crest that you can acquire is the uh, heaven crest. And it's on the bottom. Exactly. Whereas uh, the the base of the uh, hexagonal shape of the Tree of Life is the foundation, Yesod. Uh, in this game, that is nice. Uh, so it's clear that uh, you are actually getting the crown. The crowns use the King of Demons when you acquire the Heaven Crest. The very <laughs> I first control of this podcast. The very first crest you uh, acquire uh, corresponds with Netzach, uh, or Eternity, Perpetuity, Victory, or Endurance. Endurance, of course, uh, being a natural syllogism with uh, the Earth Crest. Now, we all know about James Joyce's <laughs> first novel. I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Let's move on to our final... Oh, the boss mode, by the way. It just Excellent. takes out all the enemies in the game. That's what that does. Excellent presentation, Tulpa. Yes, by the way, I enjoyed both of your presentations. I, I, I could have kept going. I could have I know. gone through. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. But we're moving. If, if, if I was not more asleep... If I was not uh, more sleepy, I would have gone into a thing about like the representation of demons in the Bible. But we oh we got to get this ro <laughs> this show on the road. I, I need to go back to bed. <laughs> Let's talk is, about our is phalanx's is oh, phalanx's name also a representation of of his dick. how no about dick. how he takes dick. the crest he takes the crests he takes dick. all the crests. And uh -huh. tries to become from many, from many individual pieces, one more powerful thing, as Our in a phalanx, as in the inventory, which does recall the demon legion from the Bible. So uh, there's a lot of work we can do just on the name phalanx. Our final topic um, is, of course, it's, is the oh, negation of <laughs> of Red Arimer. Red Arimer, we have already established, is the demon with 1,000 faces. He already represents the many in one. We're well, if we're going to talk about this, no. we have to talk about Lacan. First, we have to talk about No, we will not talk about Lacan. Finally, our last topic is Revelation. Wherein we deliver the bottom line reviews for this game. And they're short, ideally very short, and there's just a few of them. So, I'll start us off. Demon's Crest is Mega Man X for Goths. 
Demon's Crest is a secret gym in the back of an FYE at the mall. Demon's Crest is Bennett Foddy's Mega Man. Demon's Crest is Demon's Souls of Kirby games. Demon's Crest is one of three games where you can self-actualize the me I was seven years ago through violence. Demon's Crest is I can't believe it's not hell. I don't know what that means. Why did I write that down? Demon's Crest is the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of SNES games. It's delicious. Demon's Crest is delicious. Demon's Crest Demon's is Crest. manual car. Demon's Crest is originally known as Demon's Blazon in Japan, and the blazon is a heraldic symbol that resembles a oh, shield, God. further uniting it with phalanx as the anti-shield, and red armor as the original shield for the yeah. round. <laughs> when did when did Gorm start showing up in this podcast? I, I thought I banned Gorm. Gorm was me all along. Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, that changes everything. <laughs> okay. I think that's Demon's it. Crest. Oh, Wait, sorry. I got one more. Demon's Crest is whole grain Dijon mustard that you try and spread on your sandwich, but it's just the the full seeds, and it's really hard to spread, but it tastes way better than regular mustard. <laughs> just, just seeds in a bottle. That's what this De- is. Demon's Crest is the realization in game form of what that jackass with a Corinthian helmet on his F-150 uh, I should say Corinthian helmet decal on his F-150 thinks the Spartans were we should take that thing off they built their entire society on exploiting a slave underclass they were fascists why are you celebrating them Spartans suck, and that's the reality of it. They're bad. Also, that movie—what's it called? Two hundred and twelve? I don't know. Meet the Spartans. Twenty-one twelve. Twenty-one twelve. I think that's it for this podcast, folks. Um. <laughs> hey, everybody! Where can people find you if they want more of you? You, you can find me at Automatic Tiger on Twitter and Automatic Tiger on the Select Button forums, and that's where I am right now. Uh, I'm one second before on the SelectButton.net forums, and I'm also at Unsegundo Antes on Twitter, but I don't post very often, but you should follow me anyways. I'm Sakarina. You can find me at Sakarina on Twitter, or you can find me on YouTube at swansong.ws. An upcoming video in the next couple days is going to be a big explainer about the game of Pachinko, so if you, for some reason, feel like listening to more of that, there will be some more on YouTube in a couple days. Looking forward to it. You can find me being less extra at Shragopolis on Twitter and being varyingly extra depending on my mood as Shrug on the forums. And as always, I'm so sorry. But not sorry enough. (laughs) (laughs) I am Skalpa or Tulpa. You can find me on Twitter as Memorial. You can find me on the select button forums as Tulpa. You can 
direct message me if you want a full explanation about the lore of Demon's Crest as a Kabbalistic uh, device. And uh, you can also listen to me behaving exactly as I am right now on the No Rangers Allowed podcast that I GM a D&D game. It's my favorite D&D podcast, like, for sure. Um, I've been uh, your host, Virtual Clint. You can find me on Twitter at Virtual Clint. I think I posted something a week ago or so, so that's great. I'm very active. I'm also on the select button forums as Virtual Clint. Uh, here's a part where I tell you what you can do to help us. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Tell your favorite church architect. Tell your favorite demon. I don't know. Or just tweet about us. Uh, the only way people find out about us is through word of mouth. Uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes is also really, really cool. If we get a billion of those, we'll be the number one podcast and everyone will love us. Uh, we have a website. You can find it at snes.zone. It has links to our Twitter feed, which is where you can vote for games, short bios for everybody. It's got social media links for everybody and other stuff. Uh, if you want us to read anything out on the podcast, email us at snes at snes.zone, snes at snes.zone. You can tell us what you think about the podcast. You could give us some notes on our next game, uh, which you can't now because I'm, it's different. Anyway, uh, whatever you want to do, though, you could be mean. I don't care. And finally, we've got a Patreon. Podcast is always going to be free, but we've got uh, hosting costs, and I'd like to pay people. Sometimes equipment breaks down, and I want to pay for that. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So we've got tiers for as low as a dollar. At five dollars, you can join the Discord and just hang out with us. We're very active. Uh, there's certain tiers where you can actually pick games for us to play. Nobody's done that yet, so you could be dictating all sorts of games to us. Or you could even join the podcast yourself for an episode. I'd be very happy to have you on. So yeah, uh, that Patreon is at uh, patreon.com slash snexploration. Or you can just go to bankaccount.zone. Uh, as always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the selectbutton.net forums. The next podcast will be coming out sometime. It's going to be a weird one because, well, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm not going to tell you what game we're playing, and I'm not going to tell you the special circumstances, but you could probably guess it. Um, so, <laughs> so, I've got one piece I need. One piece, and then it's good, and I got the piece coming, I think. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, so that'll come out soon, probably like two to three. I don't want to die. You don't want to die? I hope you don't. Like, I'm scared. What are you doing? <laughs> it's a ritual summoning. I mean, it's just video games. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but... If uh, you head over to our Twitter feed now, as you're listening to this, uh, you'll have a few days left, and you can go vote on our next three games. Rudy already told you these in the last episode. I'm going to tell you them again because I failed to set up a poll. Uh, the next three games up for the decision are Arcade's Greatest Hits, the Atari Collection 1. Really wild. Yeah! Briefly, <laughs> briefly the Atari Exploration Squad. Yep. <laughs> uh, Wizardry 1, 2, and 3, Story of Lilgamin. Is that how you say that? What the fuck is that? Anyway, that it's, boy. Kel it's Celtic. Lil Gammon. Lil Gammon. <laughs> I'm Lil Gammon. I'm a new rapper. And then Final Fight 3 is a fighting game. Well, it's not a fighting game. It's a beat-em-up. Anyway, so go vote a on that. A good beat-em-up. Yeah. <laughs> We've proven we can't talk about beat-em-ups productively here. <laughs> I can talk about beat-em-ups productively. They're all bad. They're just bad. That's the thing. Ha <laughs> ha.
<laughs> so, so go to our Twitter feed. We're at Sne Exploration, uh, or go to Snest.zone. You can find the Twitter feed there. So. Until next time, it's not Gargoyles Quest 1. It's not Demon's Souls. It's not Devil's Crush. It's not Castlevania Bloodlines. It's not Touch the Demon Inside of Me. It's not Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Oh, we can do those all day. It's not Kid Dracula. It's not Seventh Son of a Seventh Son by Iron Maiden. But it's close. And as always, it's not Chuck Rock.